Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Living Hope. We're glad that you're here. Um, I'm especially glad for all of you who are joining us on video today. We're glad that you're worshiping with us remotely as we uh, gather together to sing, to pray, to listen for God's Spirit speaking through the Scriptures. Um, I've said before, I feel like you guys who are here are kind of like our studio audience or something. Most most of the folks are worshiping with us online, and then uh, some of you get to worship here in person and and, uh, duck under the camera when you come in. Yeah, it all works. So we like to begin with this greeting Christians have been using for a long, long time. The Lord be with you. Thank you. Thank you. We do believe that God is present with us wherever we might be gathering today. Amen. You bow your heads with me. Let's pray. God, these, uh, we've been praying, God, as we've sung these songs. We are grateful to you for uh, the artists who composed them and for the artists who have led us this morning in, in this opportunity to sing to you our prayers. God, our confidence is in Christ alone. It's only in the love that you have shown us in Jesus Christ that we have uh, the confidence to come to you right now, to, to lift our hearts and our minds to you, the God who made us, the, the Holy One, the the God of the universe, to think that you, the king of all creation, would even care what we have to say, would even care what we are going through right now, uh, is kind of, oh, incredible. It's hard to believe, God. But in Jesus Christ, you have promised us that this is true, that you love each and every one of us, that you are with us, that you know us, that the anxieties that we carry with us as we try to navigate the waters of this uh, COVID-19 and the opening of school and all the different things that are going on around us, God, that you are with us in the middle of all of this to bring grace, to bring peace, to bring hope, to bring strength, to give rest when we need it, to give energy when we need that. Thank you, God. Thank you for being with us, for being strong enough for us to lean into when we run out of strength ourselves. Thank you, God, for having wisdom that goes beyond us when we don't know what to do next. Thank you, God. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your power. Thank you for the grace that you give us in Jesus Christ that we get to enjoy today by the work of your Holy Spirit. So today, God, we we come to you humbly acknowledging our need admitting that we don't have it all figured out, admitting to you the ways that we have been failing at this thing Uh, just in the past few days, just this morning perhaps. God, we come to you not because we have uh, successfully done everything you have expected of us, but we come to you today humbly acknowledging our need of your grace, our need of your help. And you have promised us in the teachings of Jesus Christ that when we come to you humbly acknowledging our need, that you do not push us away, but instead you come to us and you are gracious to us. You forgive our sins. You wash us and make us clean. You set us on a a new path, on a good path for the day ahead, for the week ahead, for the life ahead. God, we need this help. Some of us, God, we have been weighed down by by sorrows as we've been singing about. We, We need to trade them in, God. Today, we need to experience your joy. So would you help us to do that? Would you help us to to experience the love that you have for each and every one of us? The grace that you show us, the peace that comes with knowing that the God of the universe is with us, is here. Thank you, God. We don't just pray for ourselves. 
but we lift up our neighbors and our friends. Uh, we pray for uh, those throughout our city, throughout our state, throughout our nation, throughout our world, God, uh, who we know are suffering from the sim- similar kinds of sorrows, similar kinds of anxieties, struggling with this, this same stinking virus that we're all so tired of. God, we lift them up to you. And we thank you that you are big enough for our problems. You are big enough for the need that we have. Thank you, God. Thank you for inviting us as well. As we are connected with you, as we experience your grace, as you, as you allow your love and your strength to flow into us, God, you invite us to let that flow through us into the lives of the people around us. Help us, God, to be instruments of your grace, of your love, of your peace. Thank you, God. We pray all this confident in your love because you have shown it to us definitively in the gift of your son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, the peace of the Lord be with you. Thank you. Thank you. Let's take a minute while the musicians are making their way down. Thank you, guys. Thank you for leading us. As they're making their way to their seats, could you take just a minute, look around the room for a second, give somebody like an air five or a wave or a piece or something. You know, normally right now we would be walking around the room, hugging each other, greeting each other, uh, extending peace to each other. And man, I look forward to the day that we're able to do that again. Uh, That's going to be a really, really good day uh, once this virus is behind us. Uh, I got to tell you, there are times where it feels like that is just, that day's just never going to come. but I have faith. <laughs> I have hope that one day uh, we will be able to, uh, to embrace again. We will be able to shake hands again without worrying that we're, uh, you know, spreading something we're not supposed to spread or something. Um, this, is, uh, this has not been a fun time, I don't think, for any single one of us. Um, but, um, but we come together today uh, as people who have hope as people have confidence in God that he can lead us through. Uh, so I think just a couple of announcements real quick. Uh, if you haven't already, uh, if you could take a minute to fill out some kind of a connect card. I know we've got some in the back there for those of you gathered here. Those of you online, you, can, uh, you can't click on the screen, but if you, can, you can go to livinghope.info slash connect card and you can fill out this little thing saying, hey, I was here. Here's uh, uh, how you can pray for me this week. Um, you can let us, just to let us know you're with us. I got to say, it is one of those frustrations for me as a pastor. I've been feeling the, the lack of the ability to just connect with you. I used to love taking people to lunch, sitting at a restaurant, uh, finding out how your day is going, going to visit people in the hospital, in the jail, all these things I can't do now. And, um, but you know what? Realistically, I guess I could come visit. I just had to keep my distance, right? So if you would like I would love to come and visit some of you, uh, especially some of you who I haven't seen in a while in person. Some of you I've gotten to see every now and then, at least on Sundays from a distance. But, uh, but if you would like, I would love to come and visit you this week, next week. Uh, let me know. Fill that on your little connect card. Say, yeah, I would love to get together with you. Let me know what day works best for you during the week. I would love to stop by, and uh, I'll, I'll stay more than six feet away. I'll, I can bring one of the little pool noodles so I can make sure I'm more than six feet from you or whatever, and I can wear a mask and all that good stuff uh, just so that we can connect, so I can put eyes on you again and, uh, and see that you're okay and pray with you. I would love for the opportunity to do that. Uh, uh, thank you to all of you who continue to give. If you want to give, you can click online. There's a, there's a link on the website, livinghope.info slash give, I think. And uh, that'll take you to the place where you can give online. You can text to give. You can give with your credit card. You can link it up with your uh, checking account, whatever you want to do. Thank you to all of you who have continued to give to support the work of this church, both here and around the world. And, um, and I know I mentioned last week uh, when things like... Uh, 
the Beirut explosion happened, um, uh, that we are part of the Church of the Nazarene, which has a network around the world. Part of every dollar you give goes to supporting that network to make sure that, uh, that resources can flow, that communication can happen uh, around the world. There are churches and schools there in um, uh, Beirut that were impacted by this. And I just read on the Nazarene Compassionate Ministries website. I mentioned it last week. You could probably go to ncm.org and, uh, and find more. And, and sure enough, you can. I had somebody text me after the service like, yep, they've got a link right there. And I got an email during the week saying, yep, they have churches locally that are reaching out to those impacted. And if you would like to give specifically to something like that, of course, you can. All right. Uh, just go to ncm.org and you can click on the right thing and, and, and get the money there. Uh, but I did want to let you know that any dollars you give, any money that you give to Living Hope Community Church, a portion of that does go to support that network of churches around the world, uh, and missionaries who are serving in those places, uh, and people who kind of help make sure that, uh, that the grace and the love and the resources can flow. So uh, there are probably some other th- announcements I should make. Anybody in the room aware of something I should be talking about, letting people know about? No? Okay. All right. Just checking. Um, I know we had all kinds of people go back to school this past week, and we continue to lift you up in prayer, whether you're a student or a parent or a teacher. Uh, we care about you and, uh, and what you're going through, and we are praying that God will be with you in the midst of all of this, that you will be able to uh, be an instrument of his grace and peace right there where you are, and um, not only praying for your physical safety, uh, but for this just to be a, a better school year than what so many of us are afraid it could be. You know, I, I think all of us are walking into new situations like this and thinking, oh man, who knows what this is going to be, and we've got all kinds of, of scenarios that run through our heads, and there are lots of times when people are facing a difficulty, whether it's a health emergency uh, <clears throat> that I'm praying for God to heal, or, or something like the, the school's opening, or whatever it might be, I often find myself praying, God, would you just surprise us with something better than what we are expecting? <laughs> would, you, would you give us something better than what we fear, better than what we dread? Uh, and if you do, God, we will know that you are at work. We will see your hand and uh, help us to see your hand at work. Now, one of those uh, things that we participate in uh, in our nation's life around this time that some of you dread, some of you love it, some of you thrive on this, uh, others of you are like, man, I can't wait till this is over, is, uh, is the whole political thing and elections. You know, this November is an election, and, and uh, I think this week and next week the Democratic uh, convention happens and the Republican conventions happen where they nominate who they're going to have running for president. Uh, I'm pretty sure we know who the candidates are going to be for both of those, but they have to go through it anyway. And, uh, and the campaigns are already underway. And every four years, this gives me an opportunity as your pastor to talk to you about how we as Christians can, can handle this in a different way, in, in a way that perhaps doesn't look just like everybody around us handles it. Because you know it can get pretty ugly, right? Uh, I mean, as soon as these things start happening, there are, you know, mud gets slung, people get demonized, and uh, all kinds of things spread online and personal conversations and... and uh, how many of you are on Facebook or some other version of social media? Can I see just a real quick show of hands? Uh, some of you, yeah. Oh, most of you. Okay. Um, then you've already seen this happening, right? Where you have, you, you know your friends already, who they support and what perspective they come from. And there are some of them already. You're having to hit the snooze button on. Hopefully you don't get to the point where you have to unfriend them. You know, that gets uh, awkward when you're married to them. But, uh, you know, uh, you find yourself disagreeing with people. And sometimes those disagreements can get ugly. And none of us want to do that, especially those of us who are following Jesus Christ. We don't want that to, to get ugly. We don't want ugliness to come out of us and to get splashed on someone else's computer screen, on someone else's life. Uh, 
Because that's not what we're supposed to be. That's not who we're supposed to be. You know, just we're reading not long ago um, from uh, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7, how Jesus said, you know, you're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. That this light is supposed to be, you know, the light of Christ is supposed to shine through us. And instead, so often what we find shining through us is something much less than that. Something that unfortunately may push people away from Jesus instead of toward him. Uh, And so... Over these next two or three Sundays, we're going to talk specifically about some political stuff and how we as Christians can, can handle that better. Today is kind of like a prelude to that, perhaps. It's not specifically about politics, but politics sure is one way that this can get played out. And uh, we're going to look at Romans chapter 12. If you're at home and you've got a Bible, you can open it to Romans 12. If you're here, you can. You can pull it up on your app or whatever. We're going to have words on the screen uh, as we just walk through Romans chapter 12. Especially, there's a, the, a verse at the end. Um, Oh, which I don't think I put at the beginning. Anyway, there's a verse near the end of the chapter, verse 18, that says, if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And that's kind of a theme that's been running through my head. Uh, And so we're going to get to that near the end of Romans chapter 12. Uh, As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. All right? I can't control the person on the other side of that computer screen or the other side of the phone call or the person that I'm working with or going to school with. I can't control what they do. But I can control how I handle this. And as far as it depends on me, I want to live at peace. That's what the Apostle Paul said to these Christians living in Rome. Uh, Rome was the, the heart of the Roman Empire, right? I mean, this was the political superpower of the day. Political, economic, military superpower was Rome. And the Apostle Paul is writing to Christians living right there. It'd be like today, us writing a letter to Christians living in Washington, D.C. or something, um, saying, here's how you handle uh, the weirdness that's going on there in D.C. He's writing to these uh, Roman Christians saying, here's how you can live together in a way that honors God, in a way that reflects the grace of Christ even as you are there in the heart of this, this pagan empire that's calling people everywhere to worship the emperor and to call the emperor the son of God and to, and to claim that the emperor is the one who brings a real and lasting peace to our world. Um, and there were all kinds of divisions they were having too. I, I think it was sometime right around the writing of this, uh, depending on who you listen to, uh, when Romans was written, uh, there was a time where Rome uh, kicked all the Jews out of the city which would have included a whole bunch of Christ, the Christian Jews, because at the beginning, all Christians were Jews, were followers of this Jewish Messiah, Jesus. Right? And so the earliest followers of Jesus were Jews, and all the Jewish Christians get kicked out of Rome, leaving behind only those Christians who weren't Jewish, who were Gentiles. And then at some point, uh, that order gets rescinded, and they're allowed to travel back to Rome and come back to their, their homelands. And, and all of a sudden, when they, these Christians who are Jewish come back, the church has changed. You know, the church has just been Gentile for all this time. And so now the potluck's got, you know, uh, you know, bacon and hot dogs and all that kind of stuff at it, which it didn't before because, you know, they were trying to, you know, eat kosher and, and take care of each other in that way. And now they've got to figure out, okay, how do we live together as Jews and Gentiles and, and, uh, and all following Christ together? I think that might have something to say for us as Republicans, Democrats, Greens, Libertarians, all, the, all of us who are trying to live together, trying to follow Christ together, even though we have some, some significant differences perhaps in the ways that we think or believe. And, oh, I should say, if there are any of you who are getting nervous about this, I should have said this right up front when I mentioned the word politics. I'm not going to be telling you who to vote for. I'm not going to tell you which party to vote for or anything like that. Uh, in the past, I've had people raise their hands back when we could all be in the room and could see each other and, uh, and say, like, do you think you're typically, do you typically vote for a Republican or do you typically vote for a Democrat or do you typically vote for, you know, one of the other parties? And uh, we've got all of them represented here, okay? We've got folks of, of every political stripe uh, present in our congregation. And so 
if you are nervous right now, like, oh, no, I was afraid of this. Uh, pastor's getting political. Now he's going to tell us all we got to vote. If we're going to be a Christian, we got to vote for, you know, and whoever it might be. Uh, and I don't want to vote for that person because maybe this isn't the church for me. Relax, okay? It's okay. Uh, you can be a part of this congregation and, and vote for the person that I'm not voting for. All right? That's okay. Uh, you can be a part of this congregation and vote for someone different than the person at the table next to you. It's okay. We can follow Christ together even as we have different political persuasions. I've seen some people like shaking their fists at each other over here. Okay. Um, And we'll get into the nitty-gritty of that in the coming weeks. But right now, Romans chapter 12, I think, has some helpful places for us to start about how to love people that we might disagree with. That's, that's the title I've got up at the top of my piece of paper. I don't have a piece of paper to hand to you today because we're trying not to spread germs that way, but how to love people you disagree with is what uh, is kind of the theme in my head as I'm reading through Romans chapter 12. So let's, uh, let's do that. In, in verse 1, it says, he says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Uh, He's saying, uh, in light of all that I've been saying about how Jesus is for all of us, he's not just for Jews or for Gentiles, and there's 11 chapters leading up to this, and he's saying, in view of all the the, the way that God has been merciful and that God has been good, let's offer ourselves to God as a a living sacrifice. It's not not enough to, to be willing to die for Jesus, which some Christians, especially in Rome, did soon after this was written. He said, we need to live for him. We need to, to give all of ourselves to him. Um, we, need to, we need to let him know, look, you, are, you have first place in my life, God. Jesus, you are Lord. You are king. Whoever's sitting on the throne of the empire, whoever gets elected president, uh, you are my king. You are the one who has my, my allegiance. And my true and proper worship is to give all of I, that I am to God. Verse 2, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Another translation of that first part says, don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. And this is the danger that we all face, especially at times like this when emotions run hot and when we're forced to choose sides that we, uh, and one side says, well, if you're, gonna, if you're gonna vote for this person, then the other side, they're evil. And they're, they're, they're destroying this nation, Right? Man, I've, I've seen some of the ads, and sometimes I'll go ahead and click on the political ad that, I, that scrolls by on Facebook just to cost them money and make them have to spend it. Um, but, uh, and I'll see what they actually are saying to people they're trying to raise money from. Or, you know, it'll be a survey. Are you going to vote for this person? And I'll think, well, I'll let them know who I'm going to vote for. And then I click it, and it's a survey, and they just want my email, and they want a donation. Oh, no, never mind. I'm not doing that. Okay. So, um, you know, they, the, the normal thing in our culture is to demonize your opponent, to say they're destroying America, and only my candidate can, can you know, turn this thing around. Only, only this candidate can save our country and keep us from going down the road that the, you know, the other side is, is taking us down. Both sides do this, Republicans and Democrats. Both sides do this kind of thing of the major parties. And Scripture is telling us, saying, look, don't do that. Don't just conform to the pattern of this world. I think, how did Jesus put it in the Sermon on the Mount? There's a, there's a wide path that lots of people go down, and then there's a narrow path that leads to life. The wide path that everyone's walking down, it leads to destruction. We end up destroying each other that way. But there's a narrow path that leads to life as we trust and follow Jesus. We can be transformed by the renewing of our mind. We can change the way we think. We can have a different way of imagining, a different way of picturing the people we disagree with. Maybe they're not all evil. Maybe they're not all horribly deceived. Maybe they're not all trying to destroy our country or hating America. Maybe they just have a 
difference of opinion on the best way to, you know, to help the poor or the best way to run the country. And sure, we can disagree with them even vehemently and we can urge people to vote in a different direction and we can donate to candidates. Great, go ahead, do that. I don't choose to spend my money that way, but that's up to you. Uh, but he says, let's, let's have a different way of thinking. Let's let God change the way that we picture ourselves, the way that we see the people around us. Instead of just going with the flow, and letting the world squeeze us into its mold of all the ugliness. Uh, instead, let's allow God to change the way we think. He says in verse 3, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. It says something similar down a few verses later where he talks about not being proud or not being conceited. That phrase, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. Uh, if, if there's a how-to, I, I, I guess I had at the top how-to love people uh, you disagree with. This is where I would start right here, all right? Not thinking of myself more highly than I ought. And this is written to me, okay? This is written to me, especially younger me, but still me today. Um, growing up, for whatever reason, I'm not sure how this happened. My parents are wonderful. Don't blame them. Uh, but... Somehow, growing up, I thought I just had it all figured out. And I thought I knew better than everybody else. And, uh, and if you disagreed with me, I mean, I was a Christian. I was following Jesus. I was reading the Bible. And for some reason, I thought I just had, I had arrived, you know. I, had, I, I understood it all perfectly. And, and if you'd asked me who to vote for back then, I could have told you, oh, clearly. I mean, every Christian should vote for this person, for this party, for this, you know. Like, there's just no question about that. And I didn't understand how anybody could be a Christian and vote for that other party or vote for that other candidate because, you know, well, just look at this verse and look at that verse. And, and so, of course, we should vote this way. And I, I just thought I knew how it all fit together, not just on politics, but on all sorts of issues. I was arrogant. I mean, I, was, I thought I had it all, all together. And uh, it was all black and white for me back then, which when I think about like black and white, I think, wow, man, it's, it's better when you can see color. You know, I mean, my, my picture of the world was so limited. My view of the world was so limited at the time. I couldn't see any gray. I couldn't see any color. I needed to be reminded of what the Apostle Paul said to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 13, um, where he said, uh, for now we see only a reflection as in a mirror, then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I'm fully known. The Apostle Paul, who God uses to write so much of Scripture, who uses to write this letter that we're hearing God speak through today, he admitted, I don't have it all figured out. I only know part of it. I'm just kind of, it's like I'm looking in a dim mirror. I can see some things. Some things make sense, but there's, there's some things that I still don't, I don't have it all, I don't have it all figured out. So having a realistic sense of what I know and what I don't know, of my own grasp of the facts, of, uh, of my ability to, to arrive at a comprehensive you know, view of here's, here's how things ought to be, if I can have a, a, a more humble sense of who I am and what I understand, then to, for me anyway, okay, maybe this is just me. Maybe none of you struggle with this. For me, then that helps me to approach others with a little more humility, saying, you know what, maybe they see something I haven't seen. Maybe they understand this this better than I have because they've spent more time or they've lived through something I haven't lived through. And so they can come at this from a different perspective that maybe I should listen to this. Maybe, maybe I don't see everything from every perspective. Maybe, maybe it would be helpful for me to stop and to listen first before I just pontificate about here's how things ought to be or here's what God would have everyone do, especially in areas where Christians so obviously disagree. I mean, this November, we're going to have 
what is it millions of Christians probably cast ballots here in this country, and they are not all going to vote for the same person, right? In this church, we're not all going to vote for the same president or same whatever. Now, I hope we all vote, all right? Personally, I know there are Christians out there who would say, no, no, no we shouldn't even be voting. The, the whole getting caught up in government, and that's always a power play. And, and we'll talk about that some in, in weeks to come, why some Christians feel that way. Uh, personally, I hope we all vote. I mean, uh, even if you don't know who to vote for in presidential stuff or other stuff, if you're like, oh, man, I just can't, this is two bad choices, and I didn't want either one of these folks. And, and uh, okay, great. There are local elections that you can, you can vote for people locally. He's not here, so I can talk about him. Uh, one of our own, Mitch Peters, his name is going to be on the ballot. He's, he's been a longtime attorney. He's running for judge. And so I'm looking forward to not telling you who to vote for, but uh, I'm looking forward to voting for Mitch. I think it would be great to have him on the bench. Um, now, I'll say I don't know anything about the person that is, he's running against. Uh, I've heard him say nothing but good things about that person. Um, but, you know, if, if you're going to at least vote for some of your friends who, you know, somebody local that, um, uh, that you might want to see uh, get the position that they're going for. Just saw a friend of mine over in Crown Point running for school board this fall. I can't vote for him. I don't live in Crown Point, you know. But uh, uh, there are local things that we can vote in. Anyway, sorry. If... Uh, <laughs> Going back, a place to start, perhaps, people I disagree with. It's like, okay, maybe if I have a realistic sense of who I am and what I understand, instead of this inflated sense of my own understanding or my own importance, maybe that will help me then to listen to someone else and understand that they might have something to teach me. Have any of you ever changed your mind about anything in your life? Anybody never changed your mind about anything in your life? I'm just going to... You have never changed your mind about anything in your life? Wow, that's amazing. Okay. Okay. Uh, Yeah, I think most of us at some point, we have learned something. We have changed our mind. We thought things were one way, and now we've figured out, oh, it's it's another way. Okay. Um, As a parent of four-year-olds, you know, they're learning new things all the time. If you ask them how the world works today, they'd come up with some story about, you know, how the wind blows or how this other thing works or where the, you know, what the thunder is or, you know, but as they grow up, they're going to learn like, oh, it's not that, it's this. Oh, okay, well, that's even more interesting, you know. Hopefully, we're all growing and learning. And that starts by not thinking of ourselves more highly than we ought. All right, so continuing. Uh, Sorry, i got to keep moving. Verse 4, for just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members don't all have the same function, right? We've got all these different pieces, and they all do different things. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. He's saying, look, we're all different. And this is an image, a metaphor that's used in multiple places in Scripture. The Apostle Paul uses it here, and in 1 Corinthians 12, talks about how we are a body as the body of Christ. We are his hands, we are his feet, and, and we're all different, right? We all need each other. Uh, sometimes these differences, that's like, in my mind, just kind of a key thought here as I'm thinking about, okay, people I disagree with, how do I love this person? Well, you know what? Sometimes differences are good, and sometimes differences uh, are even on purpose. Like, God wants us to be different, so we can do different things, so we can see things differently, uh, over in 1 Corinthians um, chapter 12, Paul says, look, the eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. You can't see, you can't see for squat, man. What are you, you're not good for anything. I, I can see great. You can't see at all. The, the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. You're terrible. You, you don't think about anything at all. You know, you sit down there stinking. Uh, what, what do I need you for? Well, obviously, you know, we need all the parts of our bodies. And when parts of your body don't work, it's really frustrating, right? Um, we need the parts of our bodies to work together for our bodies to function like they should in a healthy way. And we all need each other, even with our differences. And so maybe, uh, maybe those differences can be instructive, can be a positive thing for us. Even though it might make it difficult for us to understand their perspective or difficult for us to love them, 
Maybe those differences can be good. He continues in verse 6, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, teach. If it's to encourage, give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. He's saying, look, whatever God's given you to do, do it well. We need each other. We need these differences. So if the first I don't know, kind of how-to point from today about how to love people that we disagree with. If the first one is, okay, I should have a realistic sense of who I am and and I shouldn't think of myself more highly than I ought. I should understand that that person too is created in the image of God and and they have something they might need to teach me and I I should listen, I should respect them as my equal. If that's the first spot, then maybe the second one is, um, maybe I should look for some of the positives in their life. Maybe that will help me to love them more if I can look for the positives in this person, what they're good at. Maybe we disagree completely about political stuff, but man, they are so compassionate. Like, they put me to shame in the way they show compassion, or their generosity might be amazing. And so we can look for those things that they are great at, and maybe we disagree with them, and and our tendency can be to focus in on those disagreements. But maybe if we can focus instead on the positive in that person, that can help us to, to, to love them like we should, like we're called to might agree on 95% of everything. We just disagree about 5% of stuff. But that 5% can seem like everything. It can be enough to blow up into a huge argument and a huge fight. Hey, let's instead, maybe, maybe we need to focus on our areas of agreement. Maybe we need to focus on the positives in their life so that we can love them. Like Maybe that will make it easier for us to love those people that we disagree with. He, he goes right down this road. Uh, verse 9, he says, love must be sincere. Maybe that will help us to be sincere about that. Uh, if we're focusing on the positive. Hate what is evil, cling to what's good. That's what I was just talking about. You know, find the good and and cling to that, all right? Cling to what is good. It's okay to hate the evil. If there's some messed up stuff in that person's life, it's okay to hate that, to hate what that's doing to them. I know some of you have uh, the difficult people in your life. It's not because you disagree about politics. It's because you disagree about the way they're living their life. They're, They're, you know, stuck in an addiction or they've made some terrible choices that have hurt you and hurt your family or hurting people around you. And um, it's okay to hate the evil. It's okay to hate what evil does to a human life, to a human person, to relationships. Uh, what is it that Jesus said the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy? It's okay to, to, to hate that, to hate the, the death and the destruction uh, that sin brings, that evil brings. At the same time, let's make sure we, we cling to what is good. Let's make sure we focus on the good in someone Uh, so that we can love them like we should. Verse 10 says, be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. That goes back to that idea of not thinking of yourself more highly than you should. Honor that other person above yourself. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Another translation says, just don't be lazy about it. Don't be lazy about, uh, about following Jesus, about putting these things into practice. Verse 12, he says, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Lots of good stuff there, you know. Be joyful in hope. Hope that that eventually we'll get past all this and we don't have to argue about these things. You know, be patient in affliction. Maybe that's the thing that you need to cling to today. Like, God, just help me to be patient with this person. I feel afflicted. Don't tell them they're an affliction in your life, okay? That's probably not good. That won't help things. But, uh, but if you need patience, pray. Ask God, help me, God, to display patience with this person. Be faithful in prayer. Uh, you know, if I had to highlight a third thing, so we've, we're not thinking of ourselves more highly than we should, and as he says later, honor each other above ourselves. You know, we've got a realistic view of ourselves and our limits, the limits of our understanding. Humble, humble 
in the way that we hold on to our opinions, our convictions. Uh, and, and the second one was, uh, oh, I don't remember. What was the second one? Where did my, where my little note go? Oh, yeah. Uh, to look for the positive in that person to make it easier to love them, uh, the things they're good at. Then perhaps the third one I would say, if you're struggling with this, is this prayer part, to pray for them. Uh, Jesus said the same thing when he was talking about loving your enemies, to pray for those who, who persecute you. Be faithful in prayer. Just pray for that person. When you are entering into a conversation, I know some, for some of you it's family members, and you've told me, like, man, every time I talk to them on the phone, they're just, they just go off about this or that or this thing they saw on the news or, or this you know, politician or whatever. As you're entering into that conversation, maybe just pray and say, God, please, uh, can you help this person to, um, I don't know, can you help me? Can you help, your, can you help me to be gracious to this person in this conversation? Can, can, you, help, uh, can you help me not to, not to add fuel to the fire, but instead to, to be an instrument of your peace? here? Can you help this person not to feel the anxiety that they do about our current situation? Can you help this person to know that you're with them? Just take a moment to pray for that person and see if God doesn't start to change your heart and make it easier to love them. You know, share with the people who are in need, find a way to serve them, practice hospitality, making room in your life for them. Verse 14, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. You know, they hit you and you want to hit them back, all right? But we can't do that, all right? That's, that's not what we're called to do. As Christians, as followers of Jesus, we can't just conform to the ways of this world. You know, the politics of this world says, you hit me, I hit you back. You know, but, uh, well, there was a slogan a couple of couple election cycles ago, I think. What was it? They, they go low, we go high. I think was that it. Uh, when they hit you, don't hit them back. You know, instead, you've got to respond with blessing, with love, with prayer. Don't conform to the pattern of this world. Don't let the world squeeze you into its mode of doing politics. That you hit me, I hit you. Or you scratch my back and I scratch yours. You know, this, the politics of Jesus is a politics of grace, politics of loving people who don't deserve it. And that's what he's saying here. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Verse 15, rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Um, I'm guessing that uh, after November's election, half the country is going to be rejoicing, half the country is going to be mourning. All right, And we're going to have to find a way to live together. In that, in that new reality, whoever gets elected, uh, about half the country is not going to be ha- happy, right? And about half the country is going to be thrilled. Uh, and so we're going to need to find a way to love our neighbors and to rejoice with those who rejoice, to mourn with those who mourn. Uh, for some reason, I'm not sure why, I saw as I was scrolling through YouTube the other day, uh, up, up popped uh, George W. Bush and his comments after uh, Barack Obama had been elected president. And... Um, and he was out there, you know, in the Rose Garden or whatever, and just for a few minutes, for about five minutes, talked about how, uh, you know, this was a historic moment. And even though, uh, he said, even though I know many of you, you know, this was not the person you voted for, uh, we need to recognize this is still a historic moment in our, in our nation's history, uh, the election of a first black president. And he talked about welcoming uh, the Obamas to the White House and how he was looking forward to working with them and encouraging them and keeping them uh, updated as the transition took place. And, and it was just this moment where I thought, Wow. Yeah, you know, this, this could have been ugly. But instead, it was, it was like what we hope to see, right, in a transition of, of power uh, when these things take place. Um, and so we might have to find a way to rejoice with somebody, even though we're in mourning, <laughs> we find a way to rejoice with them. Or, or, or we're happy, and we don't rub it in their face. You know, like, ha, ha, you got lost, you know. Instead, we find a way to be like, look, I, I know that you're upset about this, and we're going to find a way to get through this together, you know. Uh, in verse 16, he says, live in harmony with one another. Don't be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Don't be conceited. This idea of living in harmony with each other uh, is, is an image that I kind of like in my head because harmony 
means by definition that you're not just playing the same note or singing the same note, right? That's, that's the melody, right? Just that one note. And if everybody just sings the same note, that's just the melody. We're all just singing that line. But if you're going to sing harmony, it means you're singing a different note that's like appropriately spaced from that first note somehow, you know? And people who can sing or can play know right, how to do that. You know, there's, there's, a, there's an empty key between them in the keyboard, on the keyboard or whatever, right? Uh, for it to be harmony, um, it means there's going to be difference here, but it's harmonious. Like it's presented in a way that, 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 uh, that is pleasing, that is good. And so we can find ways to live in harmony with each other. It doesn't mean we're going to agree on everything, but it means that we can still love each other in spite of difference and through difference um, in a way that is harmonious, in a way that is good, in a way that shows the world, look, there is beauty here, even among people who disagree. That's to go back to Jesus and the salt and light uh, imagery from the Sermon on the Mount, where he says that we, his followers, are to be this example to the world. What kind of example do we set? as we go about our day-to-day lives, as we interact with people on Facebook, as we talk with coworkers, as we talk with classmates and neighbors and family members and friends, what kind, of, what kind of example are we being? What are we displaying to the world? Even just as a, like, as a congregation, I think it's a beautiful thing. I think it's an example of God's grace at work when people of different political persuasions can be a part of the same church together, can love each other, can have conversations about disagreements without them blowing up into arguments, can say, you know what, I think you're wrong about this, but I still love you. And I'm glad that we're, you know, going to heaven together someday. I'm glad we're brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm glad God grabbed a hold of you just like he grabbed a hold of me. And I hope you change your mind someday about your political persuasion, but hey, until then... You know, we still love each other. And, and who knows, maybe you're right and maybe I'm wrong. You know, I mean, somehow to be able to, to be in that kind of a place. So he continues, uh, verse 17, we're almost to that key thought. Uh, verse 17, don't repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. Well, that's just what I was talking about right there. I, I jumped the gun. People are watching. The world is watching. How do Christians respond in these discussions where we disagree? Are we being careful to do what's right? when the world is watching, to love like we should, to be gracious, to be kind, to be respectful, to allow the fruit of the Spirit to be displayed in our lives, or is there ugliness that is spilling out of us? And then there it is, verse 18, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Again, you can't control that other person, but one of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. We can control what we say, what we put out there. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. I had an encounter just this last, this last week, I think it was. old friend from high school had posted something online and uh, something ugly about something, I don't remember. And uh, it said right at the beginning, hey, hey, this has been fact-checked already by some website. Truth or fiction or something, I don't know. So I go to that website, and I'm like, oh, really? And I look it up, and well, sure, that website says it's false. You know, so I, I just wrote back and said, well, I, I just checked that website, and they said it's false. They said this isn't true. And man, they exploded back at me. I thought I was being just matter of fact, but I touched a nerve that I didn't realize must have been raw, and you know, they were very upset, and I, have, I tried to apologize, and I have another apology coming that I need to make privately to this person. If I'm going to live this out, if I'm going to be careful to do what's right, if I'm going to, as far as it depends on me, live at peace with everyone, then I have a responsibility to reach back out again and say, you know what, I, I just need to make sure I apologize again. That uh, I have evidently, I thought I was saying this in a way that was respectful and was not rude or whatever, but evidently I didn't. Can you please forgive me for not being as careful as I should have been uh, with that? I can't control what other people do, 
but I can control what I do. It doesn't mean we just sweep differences under the rug or pretend we don't disagree about anything. It means doing the hard work of making peace. And he finishes the chapter saying, don't take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it's written, it's mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you'll heap burning coals on his head, which is a great image there, isn't it? Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Um, Sometimes this is not just about those little Facebook disagreements. Sometimes real evil, real harm is done. And uh, one way of being overcome by evil is for that evil that they do to turn us evil. That's right. When I see don't be overcome by evil, that's what I hear. It's like you allow the evil that's done to you to turn you into a hateful person, to turn you into a person that just uh, is bitter and seeking revenge. He says, no, no, don't, don't let that happen to you. Overcome evil with good. Do good for them. Somehow these people uh, follow the way of Jesus who from the cross said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Somehow with the I say somehow, it's with the strength that Christ provides. It's with the, the, the Holy Spirit's power giving us the ability to do this. It's not that we come up with this on our own. It's God helping us to follow in the way of Christ, to return good instead of evil. He says if we, if we do this, if we serve those who are hurting us, if our enemy, if they're hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. He says you're, you're heaping burning coals on their heads. And, and I know when I was younger, I used to love that. I was like, all right, I'll show you. I'll heap some burning coals on your head. I'll do good for you. You know, that'll, that'll mess with you. And there's lots of different theories about what that means from people who said, oh, it's just when people needed coals, they would walk by an open window with a basket on their head and neighbors would put coals on their heads. And like, okay, maybe. Uh, or making their conscience flare up, you know, like, how could you, you know, wow, they were so nice to me and I was so rotten to them. Oh, I feel terrible now about what I did, maybe. Uh, I've heard some people say, you know, in doing this, you're just kind of making their evil obvious, you know, that like, it, it becomes very clear that this person is in the wrong and you have done nothing to deserve this. And that in, instead of you taking revenge and kind of clearing it all up and, uh, and God looking down and saying, well, you took care of it, I guess, that when, when we don't take revenge, when we leave it in God's hands, well, then that leaves it for God. And someday judgment is coming. Someday God will put an end to all wickedness, all oppression, all evil. And when the fire and brimstone rain down or whatever, you know, maybe that's what it's a reference to. I don't know. I, I, don't, I can't pretend to, to understand that line, but I sure do understand the two before it. <laughs> if my enemy's hungry, I need to feed him. If they're thirsty, I need to give him something to drink. We are called as followers of Jesus to live in this world in a way that is different markedly different, demonstrably different, um, easy to see different than the way the people around us do it. And again, in the coming weeks, we're going to talk about what that looks like specifically for politics, but right now, at least, we need to make sure that we are loving people, even maybe those who don't love us, loving people that we disagree with, uh, even, if they dis- even if we disagree strongly, to find a way to, to love them through it. Uh, this is what God has done for us. So this is what we are invited to do for others. Let's bow our heads and let's pray before we sing and celebrate communion together. God, thank you for the love that you have shown us in Jesus Christ. Thank you for being gracious with us. God, uh, when, when wrong is done to us, I pray that you would help us not to take revenge, that we would leave it up to you, God. You have promised to bring justice someday. And you can do that better than we can. So God, I pray that, uh, that you'd help us to leave it up to you. Thank you that when 
that you have been gracious to us. Maybe you'll find a way to be gracious even to those who have hurt us, God, but we're going to have to leave that in your hands. We, we may not be capable of being that gracious, so God, we're going to leave it up to you. Help us, God, today and in the days to come as we find ourselves uh, pulled into conversations that can be heated, as we find ourselves sometimes disagreeing uh, strongly with people around us. Would you help us to do that in a way that is loving? God, would you help us to, to, to listen to what you were saying through the Apostle Paul to these early Christians? Would you help us to hear you, your voice speaking to us today? Kind of putting us in our place, helping us to have a, a humble acknowledgement of, of who we are and our limited understanding. Helping us to see the good in the people around us and celebrating that. Helping us, God, to to go to you in prayer when we find ourselves in the midst of this, not to just try to do it on our own, but to, to turn to you and to find from you the grace and strength that we need to love people who maybe are not acting in loving ways toward us. Because God, we want to demonstrate to the world a different way, the, the, the way of life that looks like Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you for making this possible for us. Thank you that we are not slaves to, to sin. We're not stuck in the, in the world's way of doing things. That's why you sent your son, Jesus Christ. That's what we get to celebrate in just a few moments here in the celebration of communion. We get to celebrate that you broke those chains by sending Jesus to come and to, to enter into our broken humanity, to allow the world to do its worst, to allow our sin to, to do its worst to you in putting Jesus on that cross. Jesus, you suffered death for us. You gave your life for us so that by your death and resurrection, the chains of sin could be broken. The power of death could be broken so that we don't live life uh, afraid. We don't live life uh, feeling like we've got to hang on, but instead we can trust you, that you are bringing us to a good and glorious end, that you are bringing life to us here and now. So would you help us to put our trust in you? Would you help us to offer ourselves to you? This is, our, this is our fit and proper way to worship, is by giving you all that we are, to love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, Lord God. So God, today we, we offer ourselves to you, and we pray that by your Spirit's work in our hearts and lives, that we might be transformed, that we wouldn't just be squeezed into the world's mold, but we can, we can live differently by your grace, with our sins forgiven, adopted into your family as your sons and daughters, loved by you, the God who made us, all because you took those first steps of love toward us in your Son, Jesus Christ. He is the reason that we're here. He is the reason we have hope. And so it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Would you pray with us the prayer that Jesus taught us? I think we've got it on the screen, yeah. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.
Man, uh, the musicians are going to come back up. They're going to lead us in one last song before we celebrate communion together. Uh, we're doing all this a little bit differently during this time of, of uh, you know, doing services online and having to be uh, socially distant and all the rest. Uh, so instead of uh, our normal routine of coming forward and receiving bread and juice and returning to our seats, uh, if you're in the room, you've got the, the little individually wrapped uh, uh, containers with bread under the first flap and then juice under the next one. If you're worshiping with us at home, uh, you're invited, uh, if you'd like to participate, uh, to gather elements there uh, of bread and juice or whatever you have available. Uh, This is a moment, uh, this is a a sacrament, where we get to be reminded of God's presence with us in the real world in which we live. That that's what has happened in Jesus Christ, that his grace meets us here and now. That is true, God. Uh, We hunger and thirst for you. And so as we come to this sacrament today, uh, we pray that you would uh, satisfy that hunger with your grace, with your love that you've shown us in Jesus Christ. We offer these gifts of bread and juice to you and pray that by your Spirit's presence here, we might meet our risen Savior in his body and in his blood. Uh, On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he had dinner with his disciples and he took bread and broke it and said to them, this is my body broken for you when you eat this do this in remembrance of me you may take and eat the bread likewise after supper he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to his disciples and said drink this this is my blood of the new covenant that seals the new agreement between God and humanity This is my blood poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. When you drink this, remember me. Let's take and drink. Thank you again, God, for the love and grace that we have received from you through your son, Jesus Christ, by your Holy Spirit. Would you fill us today with the Spirit of Christ so that as we leave this time together, as we go about the rest of our Sunday, the rest of our week, the rest of our life, we might go uh, full of your grace as instruments of your grace and peace here in the world, as the body of Christ. Thank you, God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen.